<laughs> this is Henry Latham and Rob Hamlin. We are all about the product. Um, I completely forgot what I was meant to start with, but I think I think that was it. We're here to talk about product, aren't we? <laughs> and have a general yeah. chit chat. I've got Bunny here as well, by the way. She's just hanging on. Oh, there she is. Yeah, she's called up. She looks very clean and white. Watch what she puts her feet together to pray. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the UK. Like, congratulations. I'm, I'm in the UK. Um, it feels really nice. It feels, we're both saying that when we're driving over, like, this feels like the right decision. And uh, I think it is. People yeah. are just really nice. I don't know, that's one thing you leave Germany. It's not a German thing, it's a Berlin thing. Because actually people in the South, lovely. People in West Germany, lovely. Berlin, people are miserable. Um, it doesn't, you know, COVID aside, like just a miserable place. Um, sorry, I'm on the water, actually. Are you on the water? I'm just, oh, no, no, we're going to go, go to the village. <laughs> I guess life has changed so much in a week. Like I'm off to the village shop after. It's the only place within a 15-minute drive. <laughs> We're in like proper rural Oxfordshire. Um, it's lovely though. It's really, really nice. It's a nice Airbnb, like very quiet, lots of nature, um, lots of walks. Although Bunny, I think, <laughs> Bunny, for anyone listening, is my dog. Not very, um, not very rural. Not really into, struggles a bit with like grass and mud. <laughs> She faked, she faked an injury yesterday. No joke. She genuinely faked an injury. Because I think she legitimately stood on a thorn and was like, oh, that hurt. So then yeah. she was lifting up her paw. And then me and Rebecca were like, oh, my God, what's she done? Uh, not that dramatic. But anyway, pick her up. And she obviously, again, like, oh, this is nice. Like, I've done my, that walk was tiring. Like, I think I'm done with walking now. Harry, no? But, yeah, exactly. so I put her down again. She just sits. And then we put her down, like, after carrying her across fields for, like, 20 minutes. And she's not a big dog, but she's not a feather as well. We put her down, just walked completely normal, just did, like, trotting along, no problem. So, um, anyway, I think she's enjoying it, though, enjoying the, all the new smells and things. How's things in Berlin? Uh, are, you, are you out? Is it locked down? Is it? Yeah, we're, well, it kind of happened a bit kind of prematurely for us anyway, because, um, yeah, our youngest, she contracted um, Corona. So obviously oh, she, yeah, yeah. and a couple of days later after her test, we, we obviously felt responsible to get tested as well. So we got tested, but we, we were actually, actually Lisa and I were negative. Um, but we still obviously have to kind of abide by the, you know, isolation rules. So we haven't really been out uh, since last Tuesday. So whole weekend in, um, I mean, obviously we have the dog, we just walk her, it's, it, it's such a, a, a nice perk. You know, we just put our masks on before we go through the building and, um, and then we just walk her around the, the block briefly, obviously for, for her. Um, so it's not like we have, we've had to stay in, uh, like, you know, and not see any daylight, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's been pretty tough. I have to say, I'm tough, but easy if that makes any sense whatsoever. Like it's easy to kind of just, you know, sit at your desk or stand at your desk. You know, I've got more than enough work to be getting on with. So it's a really pleasant distraction. But yeah, I actually, I find it really hard to do nothing when, you know, we're at home. Yeah. And, um, you know, because obviously it's very easy for me to just go and stand at my computer and then just uh, you know, do something because it means that oh, I, you know, I find it you know, enjoyable anyway. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's actually been okay. Um, and I think we're, 
you know, I don't think it's the lockdown that we experienced, you know, at the first quarter of this year. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit more flexibility there, but I think generally the world is a bit quieter than when you go outside anyway. Um, but it's, it is what it is. And, you know, I, you know, the Germans get on with things and conform, don't they? So, um, you know, no kind of like, you know, a lot of rules there. But, um, you know, I, I want to go back to something you said right at the beginning, you know, it, it's, you know, it feels right. And it, for you to be in the UK, it has to feel right. That's your decision that you're making now. And there's no such thing as bad decisions. You know, they're decisions that you made at that point in time. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm kind of really looking forward to hearing about your, your next chapter and how you how you acclimatize to being in the village. And, you know. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we, it's what we're trying to work out as well. Like, where is the sweet spot? Because I think from, you know, my realization is that there's very there's a big difference between like fun and fulfillment and i think you know lots of people are like you know they go they can't imagine living outside of a city because they like that you know there's lots on and you know you can go to a thousand restaurants and a thousand bars and like all these sim you know theater whatever events whatever and my feeling is that those things are not at the core of what I think where fulfillment lies, which ultimately for me is like, you know, there's lots, it's easy to distract ourselves in a city. And actually I really like the idea of living somewhere where your focus is really like being outdoors, like around nature more, you have more gaps in your day and your weekend to think things through, to like read more, to think more, um, to to look inwards to sound very cliche. <laughs> no, I mean we've been there. Like actually, you're you're kind of doing things in reverse to how we did things. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we um, when we emigrated from the UK back in 2009, we moved to rural southern France. And you know, oh, yeah. you, you, your conversation that you're having now with me is something that I would have said back then. You know, it's yeah. like looking for that space. And now I was into my mountain biking. Um, wanted to snowboard as well, and we were literally right in the, the foothills of the um, of the Pyrenees. So yeah. Able to have all of those things, and I loved it. I loved just being able to bomb my bike. And there was a point where we had like this uh, peak behind our house. We were living right in the hills, and I would take my bike, cycle for you know, probably twenty minutes, throw my bike on my shoulder, and run up like uh, an eight hundred meter hill. With my bike on my shoulder and then downhill mountain bike. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I would do that every day. And it was like I was so fit as well. And I kind of just, you know, I didn't just run up it immediately. It took me about three months to run up all of it without stopping. Yeah, yeah. I got there in the end. But I just love that freedom to just be able to go out and you know, have the hills and you know the wild boars around us. And it was so nice. But yeah, like now for me, it's like I. Why, I mean, why did you move? <laughs> it's my why did we move? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Normally, because of work, actually, I have to say. So we left. Um, we left France for you know, because IBM offered me that creative director role. Yeah. We went to something like Dubai, which is a complete contrast yeah. to kind of the southern French you know, way of life. Um, but like I said, you know, it was the right thing to do back then, and especially with all our kids getting older you know if we were still living in rural france it would be a tremendous um you know, headache for us to have to drive them everywhere right? yeah yeah the cities actually the city living has actually worked really really well for us as the kids have got older 
I mean, Berlin's also quite, it's relatively stress-free as a city goes. I think it, it doesn't feel like a city to me. I think that's it's relaxed. It is relaxed. Like coming from Dubai and having worked in London, Berlin, does, it's like the village of cities. Yeah, yeah, no, it really is. It really is. It really is. Yeah, it really is. And Berlin's great. Berlin's great. Six months a year, it is great. It is a really nice place to live. Um, winter's a bit shit, but I think, I think that's something we realise. Yeah, like I, I heard about all these winters where you know people couldn't look up because they were you know going to fall over on the ice and ice was like you know seven feet thick and you know yeah. cars were buried and you know i'm exaggerating a little bit for those listeners who are not familiar with berlin but you know, winters here used to be pretty brutal and yeah i haven't experienced it so yeah, yeah. no there's one was quite bad but um <laughs> No, it's not, it's not that bad. It's the greyness. I think yeah. they're getting you tie, tying it back to product or tying it to product. Um, Wait, don't design it. Also... It's basically just we should call it all about us rather than all about the product. Um, it, it is important, though, to like be in a place where you feel, particularly when you're working for yourself and maybe not in a big organisation, like you need to have clarity and free thinking and creativity. And I personally feel that that is best done like where I have lots of space. You know, like when I wrote my book, I don't think I would have done that if we weren't doing a trip in the desert in, in like the, the Kalahari, where yeah. there's nothing around. You have this like open space and, and no distraction. Um, so I think that's played a big part. And like the more, you know, moving into the Prod MBA is my one thing the more that that is really important is crafting, getting out of the noise and really thinking like what actually makes sense to teach, what makes sense to learn, you know, what kind of things should I be thinking about, writing about that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I think... Oh, I mean, that, I mean, I'm not saying that it's... Um, whenever I've had my moments of complete detachment, let's say, Sometimes I, ha- I find it really hard to bring a kind of like um, a day-to-day perspective back in on things because it's such a removed um, like experience. Do you ever did you ever find that when you're like because I get it like you know to have that complete space and have that clarity, but also sometimes you need almost like the the turmoil and the hustle and bustle to kind of be yeah able yeah to kind of see through well, that. One hundred percent. I don't know, but also it's you know getting inspiration and influence that kind of stuff, which obviously you get online. But there is something to be said about you know, say if we have a chat and a beer somewhere, yeah, with friends, whatever. Like that's you know you're going to get ideas and inspiration. Um, but I mean that's the beauty of it. I think where we're looking to live, like in Oxford to Shum, you're an hour on the train from London. Yeah, so I would go every couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, like all of my friends there, family are there. But I think it's just like not having it all the time. Yeah. where it starts to wear you down a bit um i think would be nice and even even with you know even work, firstly working for myself but even if i were to work for somebody you know maybe two days a week you go into the office but i still yeah. think in london you can't like get out yeah it's, it's quite enclosed as a place i think it's going to be interesting times now and the more i've kind of sat back and kind of just like just pondered over the state of the world mm-hmm. And just thinking that, you know, it could be another couple of years. It could be like another four years before we even come out the other side of this. And, you know, I think actually, you know, and it's not something that I want to do right now, but 
Um, you know, I'm happy with Berlin. I'm happy with living here. But at some point, you know, I think we've even had these conversations in the past about you know, just having a big place in the country and just having work come to you. If ever the world goes back to that kind of situation where you know we're doing in-person kind of um, you know workshops, but like right now, you know, you could work from Oxford, uh, Oxfordshire, and never need to travel into a city. Yeah, yeah, one hundred. It's as baseline as that is like. And that could be a really, really unique advantage that you could really leverage at this point in time. Because I think up until a year ago, you know, you would have to have made a very brave decision to detach yourself from living, like consciously making a decision to move somewhere so remote yeah. um, so that you could still kind of carry on working. Whereas now, like, I think we're in a place and, you know, this is a good thing. We're actually in a place now where, you know, I think cities will become a bit quieter and, you know, the, the emphasis for being in, um, it's going to be much more, much less and less. Yeah, but there, I mean, there is there's, there's a lot to be said about in-person stuff. I mean, like, mm. you know, one thing I was already thinking about is, for example, with the product meal, like doing in-person meetups. Yeah, could you imagine that? No, I mean, we've done, we did a couple. We did one in London and Berlin. It was like, you know, six, seven people. But that, that kind of thing, first, it's really nice. I think, you, everyone, you know, Half the problem is you have a lot of these like nerdy types at the top of these Silicon Valley companies like pushing a narrative like, yeah, great, let's all go remote. But like, there's a lot of lot to be said about like, being in person. Um, again, you're like having an after work drink. Like, that's where a lot of like gossip and politics and uh, which play a part in human interaction, like an important part in social interaction. Like that's where a lot of these soft things are happening or like, you know, yeah. negotiation of who is where in some sort of hierarchy and like building relationships with people. Um, so that's really important. I think companies are going to have to, so firstly there's companies, secondly, there's like freelancers or, you know, individual entrepreneurs, like yeah. how do companies keep that? Because I think it's going to be less remote than people think because you're going to be excluded. If you're the one that always stays at home. Yeah you know, maybe you come in once a month, everyone else comes in twice a week. Yeah. As in, is this like once the world has some sort of normal, normality, like what's going to happen like, with regards Yeah, to- I, I think that there's going to be a creep back to being in person. I hope so. Actually, I genuinely hope so. But I, I think it could be more than people want it to be. I'd, I'd hope, I think two days a week, perfect. And companies need to be quite like clear on, this is our policy. It's like you, you, can only come in two weeks you can't come in like five days a week or because you're going to have this really weird dynamic where you're going to have and people are i don't want to say the word you know you're going to have people trying to climb the ladder right who are in every day because the boss is going to be in it right if you run a company like you're going to be in every day in in many cases so you're going to start having that like power focused in around the people that are in the office at the expense of the others who are going to be excluded from you know, career progression, new projects, all this kind of stuff. So I think that's going to be a tough question to, that people are, haven't thought that much about, but they're going to come run into. Same thing, you know, generally at the moment, like everybody I've spoken to says, you know, if you're more junior, you are so excluded from like any type of like, you know, no idea really what's going on in the company no idea what your career path is like no feedback from management hr because they're just not used to doing this stuff um remotely 
Yeah. But I feel a lot of the long-term stuff has just been put on pause. Like projects still happening, day-to-day work's happening, but all of this, this long-term stuff has just been paused and not addressed, which is going to start to cause problems yeah. if we do stay remote. Yeah, I mean, I have a few friends like working for companies like Deutsche Telekom and um, yeah, Zalando, and you know they have um, they've had to make an adjustment in regards to you know, how they are talking with their employees for sure. And I think yeah, I think you're, I think you're right to a degree, but I think some companies are definitely handling it better than others. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Genuinely, probably a lot of companies probably aren't. Um, but yeah, there are companies that are seeming, I think, really doing a really amazing job at kind of keeping that communication. And I think they have also a responsibility for like the well-being of their employees as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is another chapter, I think, for the next few years. Yeah, I suppose well. it's just a learning curve, isn't it? I mean, companies will get... But it's making sure that people don't time. fall off that in the, in the meantime, you know, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody spends a lot of their day during, you know, a lot of hours during the day working and it's, it actually forms a considerable part of people's lives. And to suddenly have, you know, like blockers to that, uh, and like you say, career development and even just socializing or just, you know, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely got some questions. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hope it's got positive answers though. Cause you could, I mean, the future that I see is you have, you know, say for example, like London at the moment, it's very centralized. So like everybody goes into center and like goes back tired to the suburban two bedroom flat somewhere. Um, I like the idea that actually you focus around like your village or like local community more. Yeah. Cause like, why wouldn't you, right? If you're not commuting and you're, you want social interaction, like you use a local gym, play football with local people. You go to the same cafe every day. You see the same people at the same like cafe, co-working, this kind of thing. Um, you know, village market, or not village, like whatever, local markets, that kind of stuff. I, I could see that being a massive positive. Yeah. But the problem is like, you know, the UK, I, London specifically, I don't think that will happen because the narrative, particularly coming out of the Conservatives, is like, you know, everybody get back to the office. Um, so, which means back to central London, essentially yeah but uh yeah it'll be interesting it will be interesting um who knows yeah. anyway i'm sure anyone listening is bored of listening to conversations on remote work <laughs> i find it interesting but what sort of like um you you've had a bit of an unusual couple of weeks i guess because you've been kind of slightly nomadic yeah yeah i um oh my this week's been great though because i felt really burnt out when we last spoke two weeks ago and i looked visibly tired i remember you saying that's right yeah you did yeah because yeah, i was time i've ever seen you look so tired <laughs> i was just like sort of we're usually not tired afternoon nap tends to sort me out but uh <laughs> we need to come back to this afternoon nap in a minute as well that's all oh, right get this as well i um oh my god we're like an old couple so <laughs> we we like bought lots of vitamins because like okay if we're gonna you know get ill let's get our immune systems good so yeah, there, like, having some, uh, vitamins in that as well i've got a, some lime <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. It's like popping vitamins with our lunch and then i think monday we were asleep by 8 30 wow in bed at like 7 30. it was i mean it was an hour ahead because of yeah. european time but, um yeah i was like wow i've 
I've definitely got old too young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are, like we've said this so many times. It's like I, I am the young one and you are the old one, honestly. It's well, yeah, yeah, our lives are I'm so fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I feel, yeah, I've got the beard now as well. Sitting in an armchair reading a book kind of vibe. <laughs> so this but, uh, week and last week, actually, uh, we've been running um, a, a new sprint format. Um, we've partnered with another company. And uh, actually, I can't own the name of it. The ne- they've named it. It's called the Hyper Sprint. And actually, it works supremely well. Oh, cool. And um, basically, I'm going to give a mention that the guys at Deep Work, uh, they deserve a mention because they're just so fucking cool. Uh, Andre and Charlie, there you go. You get your little special mention. Um, but yeah, so the Deep Work guys, it's honoring the privilege to kind of work with them. And, you know, we, um, we have also spoken about like evolving the product together as well, yeah. which is super, super cool. Um, but I've digressed a little bit. Basically, um, we were running um, a sprint for um, their client, but we were starting at eight in the morning because they were uh, based primarily in Melbourne. And um, they had some people dispersed over uh, Central America as well. So uh, we were starting at eight in the morning. And actually, a couple of their um, the clients, they, were, they had got up and started to sprint. I think it was something like, um, like three or four in the morning. So they'd slept got up and started to actually sprint uh, at that time as well. Oh, sorry, their time through here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but um, what my... <laughs> that's earlier than early. That's like... That's really that's my, that's and I feel like a bit of a twist for even complaining about the 8 a.m. start. But like, but I would get up at like half past six, quarter to seven, take Fudge out for a little walk. Lisa would have a chance to have a sleep because normally she does the dog. And, uh, and I would be kind of ready, prepped and primed for like this 8 a.m. start, which uh, was brutal. And I think since I've started Leap, I've already, I've always said like, you know, for me, the day doesn't start until 10 a.m., i.e. with client calls, for example. So to run these kind of, uh, we've run several workshops over the last couple of weeks now to do these 8 a.m. starts. I have needed an afternoon nap. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just to power yeah, through. That's right. That's no, right. It, does, it actually works. It really. So but it, it does screw my sleep pattern up for the evening though. If I sleep yeah, how long are you how long are you napping? 45 minutes? Yeah, too long. Too oh really? 20 25. This is yeah, this is like basic napping knowledge. 20, 25 minutes. Oops, yeah. sorry. <laughs> sorry, somebody is calling me. Um it's not not a bother. Um, yeah, twenty twenty five minutes. If you do it over that, then you're gonna. You know, All right. Okay. Schoolboy error. I'm the I'm the new novice to this. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, if you get into routine, it's such a beautiful thing because you. Um, if you do it as a habit, your body just gets used to this like quick close your eyes twenty minute thing and wakes up energized again. Yeah. So it's just a habit. I'd say. Do it consistently for a week. Honestly, you will, it will transform your afternoons. You'll be so much more productive. So imagine, you know, the days like you say you've slept really well, you get up like bang straight into work. You're feeling super focused, energized. And then compare that to 3 PM on a normal day. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're basically I, having two like super powered sessions, right? The, that morning one when you slept well, and then the afternoon one, Honestly, it's like, you know, it's like you've had a couple of coffees, but in a non-jittery way, you're just like... Uh, I have to say, getting to the 12 o'clock mark 
knowing that you've already done four hours of very yeah, kind of so intense good. work, four hours already is quite insane. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably... And then you reward yourself with a nice nap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of our listeners are probably going, you fuckers, we start at like 8.30 every day. Like I used to, my first agency used to start at half past eight. I'm, so, I'm 6.30, I'm starting. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. yeah, so when I get to 12, I am genuinely tired. I've done nearly a day's work at 12. So, yeah. like, yeah. Also, it's non client stuff. So, it's like focused work. Yeah. So, it's really, really tired. That is why I need a nap. Um, but, yeah, anyway. So no, what, yeah, what product things have you, like, in your travels uh, back to the UK, or what have you noticed from the UK as a as brilliant brand? Bring it back to product, I should say. So, yeah, like, I've been on the lookout for good product books and case studies to look into. Yeah. Um, I think I've realized, so I've got a book on one second. I'm going to grab my, my Kindle. Um, yeah. The pr- problem is a lot of this stuff. If you look around the sort of topic of lean, lean product and topics like product strategy, product leadership is it's, it's relatively repetitive once you've, gone through like the two or three main ones on each topic yeah so obviously i'm trying to enhance the prod mba experience like we did a really good job actually with this cohort literally closed off yesterday evening with the final call very happy with how that went we can improve some of the more like tactical stuff like no code prototyping but conceptually i think good i think we did a really good job on explaining like customer insight product strategy leadership these kinds of topics but yeah, I'm looking for good product books. And I've been recommended competing in the age of AI, strategy and leadership when algorithms and networks run the world. Um, so I think that sounds like it would offer a slightly different perspective on like how do you, which also ties into an interesting topic. Um, I had a call with a guy, a uh, product manager in the US today, just on helping him like differentiate himself better. Yeah. That's something that people don't think enough about is like, where am I? You know, we have a human tendency to be reactive to like what is in front of us. It's like, oh, here's a new role, like just take it. And not like what are the long-term implications? Like how am I cultivating some of these long-term things? So this book really drew my attention because that's something we try and really push is like, it's not a marathon. Sorry, it's not, it's not you know, life is not a sprint and you have to be. <laughs> and you're, yeah, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is about, um, just thinking like, you know, how do I make myself stand out? And this book yeah. drew my attention because it's about actually, okay, how do you differentiate yourself as a leader? What strategies can you use? Like, how do you focus on getting good at a topic like strategy? Yeah. Knowing that that's a thing that is firstly rare currently, but be even more rare, or sorry, even more in demand when AI comes in more and more. Yeah. Um, yeah and just that really and and trying to get a bit back into medium um it's a balance i'm always trying to say like how do you separate from the noise you know it's like it's all go on medium it's 100 articles on pretty much the same thing yeah whilst also using that to trigger new ideas yeah um so yeah that's where i'm at with product stuff yeah that's it really anything on your side I um, so I treated myself to um, something that I've been actually trying to get hold of for quite a long time. I just missed out on the first edition. Um, I, actually, um, I ended up getting a pocket full of dough. 
Oh, is that from Christo? Yeah, from Christo. Or as Lisa calls it, a, a pocket full of do. <laughs> and um, very nice. Uh, the book, I mean, I'm holding it up to you, Henry, because I know that we're on camera, but for the viewers that, uh, or the listeners, I should say, I mean, the book is just really, really beautiful. Yeah. And um, I'm a, actually something you probably won't know about me, Henry, is that I'm a little bit. Um, I get a little bit weird with books. Like I don't like books to be kind of like fingered or touched too much. Uh, <laughs> so um, I when when this came like through, book, so. <laughs> when I when this came through, I immediately looked for like a PDF version that I could read. <laughs> oh my god, no, that is mental. But to be, I mean, to be fair, that is like a, a beautiful book. Yeah, I mean, it is really stunning, uh, and and also just um, you know like. Having met Christo and kind of, you know, seeing him kind of in front of the camera from behind the scenes, like he is a, he is a really inspirational person. Um, uh, and I didn't really kind of fully kind what's of... His, what's his thing? Like he's, I know he's like a freelance designer, but not much more than that. Well, he's, um, he used to run a very successful um, agency in California, and he has since kind of wound that down to focus more on like the educational uh, mm. kind of component so um, his education online education is called the future and he's Without the content the that he and his team put out is just insane and also i didn't realize you know, the products that he has is also really insane and so yeah really inspirational guy and um and i think i think designers really resonate with him as well because a he is a designer he's not a businessman but he's become a successful businessman like yeah. really savvy with design uh, and that's where he then kind of puts a lot of his education in into kind of like making sure designers charge, like for example, or yeah, yeah. And, um, you know how business works and how they don't get shafted on day rates and things like that. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's got a, a very good audience. Good position. So I was just thinking, yeah. really? yeah, like, oh, that could have been a really nice business. Yeah. Um, yeah that's really nice like design meets practical business stuff yeah and i think brands a lot of designers as well but I think so what i really like it about him and me being a designer is that you know he really kind of um you know you shouldn't compromise anything with regards to you just being a designer like quite often you know we hear so many kind of crazy stories where the the value of the designers can give is devalued because you know you can you can auction for a logo, for example, for 15 pounds or 15 euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you've got all these designers that are literally biting their knuckles going like, yeah, oh, like yeah, that's a service that is really needed, you know, and it really is like, yeah, yeah, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, you know get what you pay for or whatever, but yeah, yeah. it's true. Like if you want something truly unique, then it is a crafted um, you know, kind of experience. And yeah, you know, people should pay money for that. So I often find as well that when people don't pay money for things, um, you know, when they don't pay for their own things, um, they don't really value them as much. There has yeah, one hundred percent value to something for them to kind of really appreciate that. So I'm looking forward to going through the book. Um, oh, no, so, no, not going to going to the PDF. Yeah, going through the PDF exactly. <laughs> I did sell the print as well because you know, actually, as a, a traditional graphic designer from like 25 years ago. I used to love getting books or brochures from like back and smelling the print. And that this is the first book I've actually smelled in a long time, just because it looks like it's worthy of a sniff. Yeah, it does. Any designer out there who has created, um, you know, kind of um, books, you'll appreciate that statement because it's um, it's kind of part of the the kind of the result. 
No, it looks it does it very nice. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, so looking forward to reading that one. So yeah, it's got a special place on the shelf at the moment. Yeah, right. right next, right next to right next to Jake's book. So yeah, pretty good. Nice. I think I'm gonna have to sign off. We need we need to go to the village shop before it. <laughs> before it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! You're getting a. Oh, you're not from round here, are you? Yeah. <laughs> It is that kind of, yeah, I think it is that kind of place. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, pubs are closed, so we will, um, I think, just have a uh, relaxed evening. Cool. I think that you'll know when you're somewhere perfect, because you'll be so rural, but also things will be delivered, like shopping. Like, that's your sweet spot. Yeah, no, this is too rural. This is too rural. But I think where we're looking at living next year would be the sweet spot. It's like on a train to London, but yeah. nice little village. So there's a pub, couple of shops, but you are yeah. still within walking distance of some nice uh, nature. Very good. Nice one. Um, just a quick summary for our listeners so that we can wrap this at the front. So, yeah, basically, um, Henry and I are catching up. Um, Henry is now in the UK. So there's a little bit of a discussion about this kind of UK remote living and not so much products, um, but uh, we were kind of talking about the, the perks of kind of live, uh, working remotely and whether the world is ever going to change back and understanding the bias of Dude. that. And I also brought up um, Chris Doe's A Pocket Full of Dough book because that's my most recent purchase. So, yeah. I brought up a book I haven't read yet, <laughs> so I'm not going to recommend it. But next time I will talk to you about competing the age of AI and what my thoughts yeah. are on the strategy and leadership suggestions in there. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for listening.